y'all join me with my lighthouse
Well, amen, and good morning. It's good to see each one of you all and to join together as we sing about the Lord Jesus and how he is our lighthouse and our salvation. So welcome across timber, whether you're online watching or you're sitting here in front of us, we are glad um, to see your face, and um, it's good to be seen as well. I hope you took opportunity to welcome um, the folks around you and um, just let them know that you're glad to see them also. Just let me point out the TAN card that's in your bulletin is a great way for you to share information with us. If you're visiting and want to know more about the church, just ask your questions on here. If you are a member and you have questions, you can ask it on there if you need to update information. Or most importantly, if you have a prayer request, just use this little card. And in a few moments when the offering plate um, is passed around, just drop it in the offering plate. It goes to the office and we um, can communicate and get back with you that way. Just if you do share a prayer request, just be sure and let us know. If it's okay for us to share it over our email, because we want to be sure and um, protect your your privacy if you choose to do that. Let me just um, note a few things um, before we read together from Romans chapter 10, and we'll start reading there um, in just a moment with the 13th verse. Um, The first thing is um, immediately after our morning service this morning, we have a called business meeting to um, hear a recommendation from our nominating committee. Um, about um, individuals selected um, to serve on a committee um, to look at um, adding staff persons to, um, to cross timber. So that's a lot to say. We have a meeting um, after church, and we're going to form a committee, and we need you to be a part of it, and hopefully it won't take very long. So that's right after service. Second tonight, 6 o'clock, I want to invite you to be here um, for our fellowship and movie night. We're going to be watching... Um, Sabina, that's about Sabina Wormbrand and about her and her husband Richard's experiences um, in Nazi Germany during World War II and how the Lord used them um, greatly uh, for his kingdom work. Um, Here's the best deal in town. Um, Popcorn will be provided at no charge. Um, You can enjoy a movie um, without the um, sticky floors of a theater or the expense. We don't have um, theater seating, I'm sorry, but we do have these nice comfortable chairs. Um, if you want additional snacks or would like to bring something to share, you're welcome to do so. And we'll have something to drink here provided. And we'll start at 6 o'clock. The movie's about an hour and 50 minutes, so we should be done um, right around 8 o'clock. So I would love for you to join us tonight, 6 o'clock, to share the movie together. Next Saturday at 1 o'clock, um, Lloyd Breitendolph and his family would like to invite you to Lloyd's um, 93rd birthday party. Um, so uh, it's yeah. So it's one o'clock here at the church, and Lloyd would love for you to come and be a part of that if you're able to celebrate with him. They're going to meet in the, the back building, and that's one o'clock next Saturday. Um, you can certainly see other um, things to note. I will just point out um, that next Sunday is our Harvest House Collection Sunday, with summer being over and school starting back, and a lot of families having to invest money in school supplies and school clothes and shoes. Um, There's always a need, but even more so around the start of school for food items. And you see some listed there, um, pancake, baking mixes, tuna and hamburger helper, peanut butter, jelly, coffee, crackers, canned fruit, beverages, and juice. And if you bring those here, um, we'll gather them together and we'll get them to Harvest House. And that's next Sunday morning. Um, You can consult the bulletin if you have any other um, questions about our our calendar and our schedule. Um, I'd like us to read from um, Romans chapter 10 this morning as we... Um, begin to want the Lord to begin to focus our minds on our calling and our responsibility to 
be faithful in sharing um, the good news, sharing the gospel with the people around us. And so verse 13 starts with a wonderful promise, a wonderful desire, um, a wonderful promise from the Lord. It says in verse 13, Romans chapter 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But verse 14 begins with a question, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they that not but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed, who has heard from us? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Gentlemen, will you come as we take our offering this morning? Father God, Lord, thank you for the many blessings we received. Lord, uh, thank you for your son Jesus, mercy and grace, Lord. Lord, we just take this time to give back what percentage was rightly yours, Lord. And we ask that this uh, offering is blessed and sent out and do others for others. We just ask these in your name, Lord. Thank you.
Amen. Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
may be seated. you can not be moved by singing the words of truth that our sins are are nailed to the cross and that in the name of Jesus it is finished and victory is secure. It's a wonderful, exhilarating truth that should ring through our hearts and be evident in our lives, all of our for days. It's Wednesday. Uh, Deborah and Smart and I had a chance to visit a Messianic um, Jewish synagogue, Baruch Hashem in Dallas. And um, we attended a, a worship night by a young man. There's a worship leader from, from Israel. And one of the songs they, they sang was um, titled So Much Grace. Um, and Lynn's not here to help me um, with the Hebrew because Lynn knows Hebrew, but they just sang this line. It was it was comma Hesed, and Hesed is God's covenant love, and the word was just so much grace. And we were we were singing that song, and I was just reminded that God, our Father, lavishes His grace on us, His children, that we who once walked in darkness can walk in light. Those that were dead could be alive in in Christ, and you know, we have every reason in heaven to be joyful, to be victorious, to be excited about the fact that Jesus is alive, Jesus rules and he reigns and he's coming back. And, and I hope that as we sing those songs that, you know, that the Lord stirs that in your heart. There's an excitement and his, his grace is real and there's more than enough. We'll never exhaust the ends of it because he loves us so, so deeply much. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 this morning, starting verse 18. And while you're, you're finding your way over there, I'll tell you, at least it's a funny story to me. Um, when my dad passed away in 2020, we became um, owners of, of farmland and, and cows. And so it's, it's a comedy of, of learning as I go along. Um, if you know much about old television, it's somewhat like the television show Green Acres in some respects, um, in, in learning and laughing um, as we do things. But Thursday, I was at our farm, and I look out into our pasture, which normally only has cows, and right now there's only five, and I see sheep. We don't own sheep. I've never seen sheep there. And so... I was like, this is pretty cool. So I walked out there, and sure enough, they were sheep. And in the middle of these sheep, there was a little dog. Now, it wasn't your, you know, border collie sheep dog, but it was some little mutt dog that evidently loved the sheep and was right there in the middle of them. And I thought, you know, they need to go back over the fence where they belong. And so I just started walking toward them. And when I did, they first they raised their heads and they looked at me. And the dog took about three steps toward me. And I just said, come on, let's go to the dog. And the dog turned around and started walking. And so I, I just got my phone out and I started video. And so the sheep were just walking. 
you know, in a, in a little group behind this dog, and, you know, they walk back over the fence to where they, they go, and in that moment, I was, and I did, I have to tell you this, I grabbed a stick because I thought, you know, I need a stick because if I'm going to be a shepherd, you know, I need a sheep, you know, a stick, not because I was afraid of being charged by one of the sheep, um, you know, there were a couple of rams there, but they were, you know, they were, they didn't have any horns, and so I thought, you know, it would be okay, but I was reminded of the gentleness with which our good shepherd leads us. How he walks along with us, and he leads us, and he takes care of us. Even in the silly moments of life, God reminds us of these things. And what I want to look at this morning is the call that Jesus made first to four fishermen standing by the Sea of Galilee, and then ultimately to every person who lives to, to follow after him. You know, children sometimes love to play the game, follow the leader. You know, and it's simple rules. It doesn't take much. It takes, you know, you don't have to have any equipment. You just need, you know, somebody to be the line leader, the head of the line, and then all the other children line up and they do whatever the person in the front does. You know, hop on one foot, turn around, do a flip, you know, all those different things along the way. And the leader does things that are silly, and when people fail to do what the leader does in the right way, then they're out. And there's this mad rush because everybody wants to be the leader. Pick me, pick me, pick me. And it's, it's a fun game. You can use a lot of time up very quickly. But when I thought about just the mass of children, you know, always wanting to be the leader. Pick me, pick me, pick me. I thought about adults. And adults, you know, aren't much different. We may not want to lead a large group of people, but we certainly want to be the leader, at least in our own life. You know, we want to be the one that's in charge. And in a world where leaders are elevated and humble servants are discounted, you know, what more beautiful picture does the world need than humble servants who follow after Jesus? You know, in a world full of powerful men and powerful women that get all the publicity, what would it look like for men and women who simply said yes to Jesus, chose to follow him, and then did what he said? But we have to deal with that problem, first of all, that because we're prideful and we're selfish, that we want to be our own leader. But all along, Jesus has a much different plan. I mentioned those four men by the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus gave them an invitation to leave everything behind and to follow after Him. Come be a part of His kingdom, to learn from Him, to join Him in His mission, to bring salvation to the world, and to be a part of sharing that good news and building His kingdom and making disciples of all nations. So this morning, we're going to look at these four men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and how Jesus called them to be disciples and how he calls us to be disciples today, but with a very specific purpose, to be fishers of men. In a world that's full of hate and skepticism, to be loving people who love with a love that comes from Jesus in us. In a world that is so detached to intentionally build relationships with others. 
to do what we can with what we have to meet the needs of others, to be faithful, to pray for those around us. Here's the great thing about praying for people. You can do it without their permission. You can do it without even them knowing. And even if they do object, you can pray for them anyway, and God does His work in the spiritual realm. And then as we have opportunity over time, sharing the truth about who Jesus is and then trusting the results to God. Following after Jesus, our leader. And I hope by the time we're finished, we'll see that it's more than a a children's game. It's a calling to a new kind of life. It's a calling to obedience and a calling to action. And so in chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 18, we have this picture. Jesus says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left their, they left the boat and their father and followed him. I want you to think about this this morning, that Jesus calls disciples to abandon themselves and to lovingly follow after him and join in his mission. So he calls us to abandon, to follow him, and to join in his mission. Will you pray with me as you look at these verses for just a moment? Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the fact that you do still call disciples today. And if we are called by your name, we are your disciples. And so teach us this morning a little more about what it means to follow you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the bulletin you have an outline, and it's simple to follow. It just simply looks at the call that Jesus issued, the response to the call by the disciples, and then the result of the call, what Jesus would do if they followed after him. And the first thing is that there's the call to follow. Two powerful words from Jesus, follow me. Follow me. Now, implied in that statement is a you. You follow me. Imagine Jesus looking into the eyes of those Galilean fishermen and saying, follow me, because the call to follow is personal. Jesus calls people one by one. He called Peter, Andrew, James, and John knew who they were. If you read in John chapter 1, he had already met them there in Judea. Now he visits with them here in Galilee. He knew what their past was, but he knew what their future could be if they chose to follow them. He looked on them with love, and he called them to be his disciples. It's really an interesting picture. I mean, not only do you have Jesus talking to four fishermen by the sea, but you have a teacher or a rabbi searching out and calling his own disciples. Now, if you grew up in Greek society or in Hebrew society, the normal custom was if you were an individual and you were a learner and you wanted to learn something, then you sought out your own 
rabbi. You would go to a rabbi and say, hey, rabbi, would you teach me? And then they would either accept you or not accept you. But here we have a picture of Jesus, the the greatest of all teachers, searching out and calling his own disciples. Would have been very radical at the time. It just didn't happen. But what a wonderful picture it is of how Jesus searches out for us, invites us to join in his mission, a mission that the book of Acts says would lead to turning the world upside down down and then when we answer that call that personal call it's the invitation to start learning from jesus at that moment understanding there's always more to learn there's no graduation until heaven there's always more to learn and on the other side there's always more new and exciting adventures as we say yes and we are obedient So it's personal, and since it's personal, each person has to respond. Nobody can answer for someone else. And while Jesus wants everyone to follow him, he forces himself on no one. And so issuing that call to follow me, each person has to answer yes to that call. Now, it would be great if we could respond for someone else, wouldn't it? Oh my gosh, we could probably list family members and, and, and friends and neighbors that we would just answer yes for them on behalf of Jesus, that he would save them and call them to be his disciples. And while Peter and Andrew were there, by the, you know, we don't know what was going on in their mind, but you know, Peter may have hoped that Andrew would follow Jesus, but he couldn't answer and said, hey, yeah, we're both coming. Each one had to answer for himself to make their own decision. And while we can't answer yes for someone else in the call to follow Jesus, we can share God's love with them. We can pray for them and hope that the Lord will lead them in that decision to trust in Him. But the call is not only personal, it's also relational. The call to follow Jesus is a call to ultimately be with Jesus. See, when Jesus invited those fishermen To come with him, he invited him into his life, to be a part of his life, to travel along with him, to go where he went, to visit the places he visited. They would share meals with him. They would learn from him. And in fact, Mark records in Mark chapter 3 that he appointed 12, whom he called, also named apostles, so that they might be with him. And he sent them out to preach. And have no authority to cast out demons. Distance learning would have been unheard of in that day. But this was definitely not distance learning. It wasn't a correspondence course. It was close relationship. And intimate fellowship with Jesus and his disciples. That as they lived with him, they learned from him. And it was to be something that would go on for their entire life. In fact, when Jesus is speaking in John chapter 15, after spending much time with these disciples, really a a few years, he tells them, He is the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
He reminds them, even in the end of his days, of that closeness of relationship that was required for them to do the work that he called them to do. And then in those beautiful chapters in John, he reminds them that I'm not going to leave you there alone, not as orphans. When I go away, I'm going to send my comforter promising the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus spent time with his disciples, hopefully over time, those disciples would come to look more like Jesus. So the call is personal, it's relational, but it's also complete. Jesus calls his disciples to follow him forever and with everything they have. Being young Hebrew men, they would have known the Shema of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And they would have known the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Easy way to think about that is we're supposed to love God with every part that we have. Heart, soul, body, mind, your time, your possessions, every bit of your life. While author David Platt may have faded a little bit from from prominence, he still teaches and, and writes. And one of the things that he notes in many of his writings is that Jesus is worthy of more than church attendance and casual association. He's worthy of total abandonment and supreme adoration. Richard Ross, who teaches at Southwestern Seminary would would remind you if he were here that Jesus is to be more than our mascot or our little buddy, that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is to be worshipped, adored, and followed. And when Jesus called Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the question we have as we're reading the story is how would they respond? And we read on and we find out. And the second thing you see is their response to the call. Two verbs. They left. They followed. You see it repeated there in both sets of brothers. They left. They followed. Because each man had to abandon everything. Before they could move forward with Jesus, they were going to have to leave things behind. Now, in the verses we read, we find out what they leave behind. What do they leave behind? They leave behind their nets, their means of income. They leave behind their their boats. So we're talking about possessions, things they use to earn an income. The brothers Zebedee left behind their father Zebedee, so they had to leave family ties. But they also had to let go of their sinful, selfish past. And that's fact. That's where it all started that they had to abandon themselves to Jesus and then their possessions because positions, possessions, family would not be the most important thing on their journey with Jesus. Now they would be involved in gathering more disciples and bringing glory to God. And as those disciples walked with Jesus and we learn as we read from Scripture, they would learn that this call to follow Jesus was a call to die to ourselves. If you look at Matthew 16, a few chapters over, verses 24 and 25, verse 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and 
follow me. Following Jesus came with a cost. Comfort. Financial security. Family. Friends. Everything that was normal to them. Their own personal plans, aspirations, and dreams. They would die to those, in a sense, as they died to their self. But he reminds them that the cost would be worth it. What they were going to gain in the end would be far better than anything they would have given up. Inheriting eternal life. Enjoying the enormity of God's blessings. To be able to rule, as you can read about in Matthew 19, 28 and 29, to somehow be a part in ruling in the heavens with Jesus. And realizing the promise that Jesus made that the last would be first that the meek would inherit the earth. And so there was something to give up. They had to abandon everything. But when they left behind their old life, they were called to live a new life in Christ. It's all through the writings of Paul. For me to live is Christ. The idea that to be a disciple is to live the Christ life, for Christ to be alive in you. Don't you know that those four men never could have imagined how different their lives would be? That what they left behind would be replaced by something better. And if you look at verse 25, Matthew 16, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Find real life, eternal life. Life with meaning and purpose life that's filled with excitement and wonder. It's the truth of 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new, behold, the new has come. So new life for old. You're living that new life today. Are you excited about it? Are you enjoying the riches of His mercy and His grace in the new life in Christ? But there's something more. When they decided to follow, it was wholehearted devotion. They abandoned everything to follow after Jesus, the one they believed to be the Messiah. He called them. They came. And in fact, later on, Peter in Matthew 19 protested Jesus. Jesus, we have left everything and followed you it was a choice they made to live for something that was greater than themselves dedicating their entire life and in most cases dying horrible deaths for the sake of this man called Jesus who called them to follow him they gave up their nets they gave up their their boats, but Jesus wasn't finished with them and he wasn't finished with their fishing. He was simply leading them to something far more rewarding. They answered that call and now Jesus would start to reshape their lives. So we have the call, we have the response, and then thirdly we have the result of the call. I will make you fishers of men. 
If Jesus, if the disciples chose to follow Jesus, he gives them a promise. I will make you fishers of men. Creative work only God could do based on the requirement that they be with Jesus. Be in a relationship. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that would be a great transformation to be fishermen who caught fish to fishermen who were catching men in a sense. Not that they were netting and trapping men and women along the way, but through their lives and through their words. Under the direction of a new master, they were given a new mission with different priorities. And they moved from a profession or a job to a calling. Think about that for a second. Think about your profession. What do you do? And that's, you know, how do you, you know, put money in the bank? How do you pay the bills? And then also think about your calling. And your calling is, what has God called you to do in that moment? Think of your life as being a missionary in the place that you are, whether it's your workplace, your school, your co-op, your neighborhood. Your profession may be electrical work, but your calling is to be a disciple. You might be an accountant, but your calling is to be a disciple. Your profession may be engineer, but your calling is to be a disciple. Everyone who follows after Jesus is called to be a disciple. Where we place his kingdom and his priorities above everything else, and all the other things are are second to those. Seek his kingdom first, and all these things will be added unto you. So how can God do that in selfish humans? And only is God's transforming power. Only he can change the heart of man. Only he can put a desire in us to do that. And he does that willingly through his Holy Spirit who who guides us. Gives us the power that we need. We looked at that in 2 Peter. Everything we need to live a godly life, he has given us. So we don't have any excuses. And Jesus' plan was to have a group of disciples who would spend time with him reaching out to others in hopes that the others that they reached out to could also be with Jesus. One Bible commentary had this sentence that I thought was important. Jesus takes us and transforms us into useful disciples fit for the work he has appointed us to do. From ordinary to extraordinary. So he transforms us into what he needs us to be, and then he gives us a new purpose, a new plan. In fishing for men, they would be missionaries and evangelists, preachers who proclaim the good news about Jesus and his coming kingdom. And not long after these four, Jesus would add eight more for a total of 12 men who would follow after him. Each one unique in their background, in their job, their personality. None of them perfect by any 
stretch of the imagination. And if you look at the list, you think, well, this could only have been chosen by Jesus because men would probably have chosen somebody else. But each one was given a purpose. First of all, to follow after him. It's there in that simple statement, follow me. And second, to be fishers of men. I don't find in the Bible a more simple way to express what it means to be a disciple than those two commands. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow Jesus and be fishers of men. If we do that at the end of the day when we're either taken up in the glory or meet him in the air, you know, whether we die or we go to heaven when Jesus comes back, I think if we could check off the boxes, we followed after Jesus and we did our best with his help to be fishers of men, that the commendation would be well done. Good and faithful servant. But as always, Jesus never calls us to do something that he's not willing to equip us to do. He's going to make us fishers of men. He promised that he would be with his disciples and that he would send them his Holy Spirit after he had died and risen from the dead. So if you move past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you get to the book of Acts and you find in Acts chapter 2 that at Pentecost, Jesus fulfills his promise and his followers are filled with the Holy Spirit. They have received their calling, they have their power, and you see them living out their purpose. You have this wonderful phrase that they turn the world upside down. They see God doing wonders and miracles. They see the Lord adding to the number daily, both men and women. And one report in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they, talking about the crowd, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated, common men. Fishermen. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. What did Jesus say in Matthew? I called them that they might be with me. And then here are the people recognizing, okay, these guys are different. Why? Because they've been with Jesus. And I just wrote a question down. Can, can the people around me recognize that I've been with Jesus? I would ask the same thing of you. Can the people around you recognize you've been with Jesus? Because when common men and women follow after Jesus, people notice. Because God's plan has never been a program. His, his only plan is, is people. You and me carrying out the work. That's why there, there's never a book you can read. There's never a, a, a method that you can choose that's going to out-trump the idea that God uses people. Everyday people. Jars of clay that he puts his incredible, priceless treasure inside the gift of his spirit, all the fullness of Jesus, so that his glory would shine through us. My God chooses everyday people, not experts. Jesus was trying to build a religious organization. I think he would have marched right up to the temple and got the 12 sharpest rabbis he could find. Educated guys. Men who knew the, the Old Testament, who could, could expand upon the Torah and could 
tell you all about the law. But he wasn't building a religious organization. He was building a kingdom made of men and women. So he chose everyday people like you and like me. And so you can sum it up this way. Jesus chooses us and he wants us to follow after him. And that call, it's a call to abandon ourselves, to lovingly follow after him and join in his mission. That's why we're, we're here, to follow his mission. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Later, he gives his commission in the end of Matthew, go and make disciples. We introduced last October, you know, the, the idea that, you know, our, our method here, our, our strategy is to gather. We gather together for, you know, for worship, for Bible study. We, we grow together in, in community through, through Bible study and individual discipleship. And then, you know, we, we go where we go into our, our neighborhoods, into our community with the hope that God would somehow use 70 people who are committed to Jesus to begin the work of transforming families and lives. People that don't care about Jesus or even know about Jesus. Families that are wrecked and broken and hurting because of, of sin, because of addiction, because of broken sexuality. To be radically transformed by a power like no other, the power of God, and the homes that are thriving homes where Jesus is first. Because remember, God made us for more than gathering. We are good gatherers. I will tell you this hands down. We know how to gather. But if all we do is gather, then we're just a group. Growing and going are important. And as we commit ourselves to Christ, as we deny ourselves, as we follow Jesus, our King, not because we feel like we have to or He's going to zap us, but because we love Him, that He will fill our hearts with joy and will join in His mission. That we'll march out with glad, happy songs of grace and mercy into the fields that are white unto harvest and we'll do the work that He's called us to do praying to the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers. And with his love and his compassion going into that harvest and sharing God's love and sharing the good news. So the question is, how do we either A, get started, if it's something we've never done, B, restart if we've done it in the past, or continue on with what we're doing? and reaching out to a community with the good news of Jesus. I showed you a video a couple of weeks ago, and our North American Mission Board, which our cooperative program dollars support, in order to help churches focus on the idea of evangelism. Spent a lot of money, spilled a lot of ink to give us a tool to encourage us in the area of personal evangelism. Now you see at the bottom on the banner there, who's your one? 
in just a moment, our, our deacons are going to come around and hand you a bookmark that looks just like mine. And the whole idea behind you, who's your one, is for you to right now begin thinking about some person that you are regularly in contact with. That can be a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, a family member. Somebody that you are in contact with on a regular basis that, as far as you know, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus yet. Some people would call them lost because we talk about lost sheep. But people that are apart from Jesus. And as those guys come on and pass those cards out, you're going to receive a card in just a moment that looks just like mine. It says, who's your one on it? It's got 30 days of Bible verses, and it has a little part that you can tear off and put somewhere. And it says, who's your one? And there's a blank. I already have a name in my blank. So this is my card, and this is my one. And guys, you can come pass those out right now. Some of you immediately, when you get this card, the name is going to be there. Maybe the process has already started, and you can just write it in there, and you're ready to go. Others of you are thinking, okay, who is it going to be? You know, as you pray about it, you know, you're going to fill that, that name in. But don't just write a name in there, because this is a commitment to, to you. It's your commitment to the Lord. That over the next 30 days, you're going to commit to pray for that person. i got to grab something. You're going to commit to pray for that person, share with that person as the Lord leaves and leads. And in fact, there's another resource to help you, and there's several copies on the table as you go out. There's a, there's a 30-day prayer guide with a very short, there's a Bible verse, and there's a short prayer, and... There's a blank to fill in, and guess what? The same name that you fill in, and my name is Clay, written right here. The same name that is written on this card, you just simply plug in to these. And this day one goes a little bit like this. God, I know there is only hope. There's only one way to salvation. Jesus is clear. He is the only hope for a lost and dying world. And that includes, and you put your friend's name, and that includes Clay. His salvation depends on acknowledging Jesus and it's who he says he is, and he alone is the source of salvation. And it goes on like that. There's 30 days of these. If you're a technical person, if you have the U version on your Bible and you use the reading plans, you can go to um, devotional plans and you can just type in who's your one, and there's a who's your one plan that gives you 40 days. So it gives you 10 more days. But I believe that God can use this as a tool or a catalyst to move us in the right direction. Now, I say it's a tool because there's no power in a bookmark. And there's no power in a devotional book. They're tools because this is something God can use to keep this in the front of our mind. The real power comes from Him alone as we answer His call to follow after Him and allow Him to do his work to make us fishers of men. So consistently for the next several weeks, you'll hear a lot about who's your one. You'll hear reminders to pray for your one. You'll see emails 
about praying for them, encouraging you to do that. And here's where it can get very exciting. If you have stories, if there's a, a moment, an encounter with the person, with your one, man, share those. Send me an email or a text. You can share about it in the worship service. You know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, to say their name out loud if you don't want to embarrass that person. And if somehow along the way, when God chooses to work and that person makes a decision and says, hey, I want to follow after Jesus, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be great for you to walk in one Sunday morning and all of a sudden it's not this card anymore with a name on it, but it's a person sitting beside you who has chosen to follow after Jesus. So I would encourage you to grab one of these, put it with your Bible, to take this bookmark, this little card, this part tears off, put this card somewhere where you can see it and remember. You might even write it on the other card. There's a place here to write it in this bookmark. So between the bookmark and the prayer guide, hopefully that will encourage you to remember to pray for that person. And then when you pray, don't be surprised when God begins to work. I want to pray for you about this. I'm going to pray for God to help us in this. And then, um, and then after that, I'll invite the worship team um, to come up and we'll the time of invitation. But God, we, we thank you that, that you do call men and women to follow after you. And that you promise by the powers and the giftings of your Holy Spirit to, to make us fishers of men if we're willing. And so Lord, we're, we're grateful for resources, for tools like the materials we have for who's your one. But Lord, help us now to just focus on people. And maybe for some, it's not one, it's three, it's five, it's ten. But Lord, sometimes to get us motivated, it's important to narrow our focus. And so while we choose to focus on one, we don't limit ourselves in what you would want to do. But God, you would use this to, to motivate us, to encourage us, to challenge us. That we can be your hands and feet, we can be fishers of men, and we can tell other people about Jesus. It starts by yielding to you, being intentional in our actions, committed to prayer, and willing to trust in you. So God, I thank you for the story of most of our lives, that because someone chose us as their one, that they took the time to tell us about Jesus. They loved us. They prayed for us. And you gave them the wonderful gift of seeing each one of us born into your kingdom. And Lord, we ask for that for us. We would be a part of your work to see the joy, the excitement of new life born in people around us because of you and help us to see that we can't possibly begin to reach the nations or to reach everyone until we start with one person so one at a time little by little as we commit ourselves to you and trust in you that you would do this work through us we ask your help we look forward to exciting stories and we give you praise in the name of jesus amen
So don't forget to get this when you leave, and don't forget to put your card somewhere where you can remember and share your, your story. Let me just invite the worship team to, to come on up now, because I think it would be, be irresponsible after we've listened to the words of Jesus to not give us an opportunity to commit ourselves to him, to follow after him. And that obedience of following can, can look very differently. It can be the first initial call to follow after him, to, to take that step of trusting in Jesus for the first time for, for salvation. And so if that's you today, I, I just give you the encouragement that it will be the best step you ever take to turn, abandon yourself and your sin and turn to Jesus. Maybe for others it's to, just to get back into following. Maybe you've kind of wandered a little bit and the Good Shepherd is gently calling you back. Or maybe God's calling you to follow Him in a very specific area. Maybe there's a ministry or an opportunity He's calling you into or, or just you know, a level of obedience. Trust you would listen to His voice and speak. As we sing together, you can pray quietly. You can ask someone to pray with you. You're welcome to come to the front or you can stand, you can sit. The important thing is we listen to the Lord and we respond when He speaks. Would you join in standing? And let's listen and respond to the Lord.
Sing together, and when we begin to sing, you're you're dismissed. The Lord bless you.